Well, hey there, what's going on? How you doing, people? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is The Venice Voice. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to share with you a conversation that I had with Brian Griffin. Brian is a real estate agent here on the west side of Los Angeles who recently purchased a property and moved here to Venice. We talk about a lot of things, including the homelessness issue, uh, what is the state of real estate here in Los Angeles, uh, and also a bunch of other things like what it's like to shop at Erewhon. (laughs) And uh, just for the record, Brian is also the boyfriend of the lovely Casey Calvinson from episode one of this show. So you'll get a sense of what he's like. But before we begin, I'd love to invite you to be a part of the conversation here on The Venice Voice. So if you have anything that you'd like to talk about or if you'd like to bring up any issue at all or comment on some of the things we talk about, because today we talk about not only the homelessness issue, but some of the uh, initiatives that are up on the ballot here in California during the midterm elections. So if you have any opinions at all, if you'd like to add anything to the conversation, please shoot me an email at ron at venicevoice.com. Now, without further ado, here is Brian Griffin. Live room. Check, check. Check one, two. It's a live room today. It is folks. a live room. It's a live room. It sucks for her. Yeah. So, Brian Griffin. I'm Brian Griffin. You are Brian Griffin. Yes. Not the dog from... From the Family Guy. No, no. Although it's a common mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just just a reminder: stay in the microphone. Okay, okay stay cool. In the microphone. So we were just talking before we started recording, and you were talking about you went and saw this holographic healer. Holographic healer. What does yeah. that? What does Anne. that mean? What What does that mean? Like a hol? She does holograms or what? Uh, what happened? She's Anne in. Uh, her name's Anne, and she's in Sedona, and she does. I guess holographic healing, from my understanding, from that experience was. She literally, you talk to her, you have a conversation and she takes you and she picks up the inflection in your voice. She picks up everything that you're talking about and she literally, she'll pick out certain things like, uh, you're not worthy of this or you are holding resentment against these people. And then she goes to this huge binder and she touches your arm and she like, feels your heart beating weird stuff like that and just and picks out a solution for you and uh as i was telling you there was a the solution she gave me for something that i was working through was she literally made me say thank you like a hundred times in a row literally a hundred times yeah and then for another guy that was in the group she she made him lay down on the couch and put like earphones on his head and played certain tones to heal whatever he was dealing with at the time too. So she does, she is, it's like this healing process through, um, I think auditory, she uses a lot of auditory stuff. So she just listens to you talk, picks out certain inflections in your voice or some certain pattern. And then from that, she ascertains what the therapy will be. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And she'll write, she'll write it down and she writes down stuff throughout your interview with her. And she writes it down and she goes, okay, now I want you to read these 10, these 10 statements that I've written down. And so you read them out. And, um, and when you read them out to her, she goes, you don't really believe that. Yep, that's true. But you don't believe that one either. And then she takes them, she crosses out the ones that you do believe or you don't believe or whatever. And then she works on it. Um, and then she finds the solution for those for those things. Wow. And she has like, you ever, you ever do like this with somebody where you're, they're like 
push back on my arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have. Yeah. She mm-hmm. doesn't push back on my arm when you say this. And I, there's something... I'm like, I'm going to be confident about this one. I'm going to push back hard. She's like, nope, you don't believe it. I'm like, God damn it, she knows. So Wow, that's fascinating. So do you do, do you still practice the thank you repeating exercise? I or? do, I do. I like the uh, the thank you repeating exercise whenever I'm feeling ungrateful, which is a daily practice for me. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Um, but no, I, I when I do feel ungrateful, I get into the all right, thank yous. Let's sit down and just do like 20, 30, 40 thank yous in a row. And, and I don't have to say thank you for anything in particular. It's just the act of saying thank you, I think brings, I think it just brings gratitude into your life. And, um, and I think that that, I mean, obviously we know how powerful gratitude is in a daily, in a daily practice, but when you bring gratitude in your life daily, I think the energy that you project out there is a grateful attitude. People pick it up. Next thing you know, people want to talk to you at the store. People want to say hi, you know, say hi around your neighborhood. It's just, it's a, it's a whole energetic thing. And I like the idea, and this is something that I've spoken about many times about the practice of doing it, because it's very easy for me to fall back into a negative thought pattern or to just perceive things in a way that are difficult or hard or not advantageous for me, or, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm very, you know, like many people self, very self-centered and thinking about what's, what's in it for me. And I do have to practice on a daily basis, reminding myself of how fortunate I am, um, not only to live here and to be able to pursue the things that I want to do and for health and family and all that type of stuff. It's very easy to forget. And so, so, but, but practicing it, it's like a muscle. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and I think you've, you've, it's a muscle. You got to practice it. And I think if you look around you on a daily basis, um, there's so many reminders of what to be grateful for. And I don't mean just, oh, I woke up, I feel good. That's cool. Um, I have a roof over my head. I have food. I could go to the store. I don't have to. I, I can buy groceries. You know, maybe I don't have a billion dollars in the bank, but that's okay because. Even if I had a billion dollars in the bank, that doesn't guarantee me happiness or life. Uh, you know, I think recently, what, three days ago, we lost Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft. Yeah. Huge, huge company worth billions and billions of dollars. Had a huge real estate empire. Um, did a lot of good things and he could do anything he wanted to. But what happens? He gets sick. He goes into the doctor's office one day and he's dead the next. It's, it doesn't matter. So... The real thing is, is I think uh, a lot of my angst comes from the search for uh, power and prestige, you know, and I, I need I need things. I want things because that other guy, that other girl, she has things, you know, um, and that's when I that's when I get really ungrateful, ungrateful. And the truth is, I don't need all those things. And if, if, if the universe deems me worthy or if I really wanted those things, I could probably figure out a way. But the truth is, I don't need them. I'm happy. And I think that's the practice, right? It's the practice of going, hey, these are great things. I would love those things, but I'm happy with where I am and what I'm doing right now. And that's that's the real, in, in, in the world we live in, um, and I know... I know there's a lot of bad, you know, everyone has a bad taste about uh, what's going on in America and how bad the United States is and this and that. But the truth is, is we are in a nation where we can do whatever we want for the most part. Yeah. And we're also in the most peaceful 
time in history, if you look at world history as a whole, as, as long as human beings have been on the planet, mm-hmm. we're in a pretty peaceful time. It doesn't feel that way because we're inundated by media all the time that tells us all these negative things that are happening. But overall, I mean, there's a ton of wars happening and things like that, but overall, people aren't killing themselves as much as they used to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just one thing to hold on to. We're living in a fairly peaceful time. You yeah. know, um, I think that we're sold a lot of negativity all the time. I think it, uh, sell, it sells, right? It, it, negativity it, sells. People want to talk about it. It raises it. You go on your Facebook. It's no one's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No one's talking about, oh, I'm grateful for this, this, and this. Yeah, They're but like, that doesn't sell the groceries. No, you know, that no, doesn't no. sell the products. Your friends exactly. don't want to comment on that. They're like, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Like, no, no one gives a shit. But what they do care about is like, oh, I'm pissed off that this person's taking this from us. And it's like, yeah, but we, you know, it's, it's okay. You know? Yeah. I re- going back to what you were talking about earlier about being grateful for what we have. I mean, it's something that I talk to a lot of people about, uh, you know, that practice of being content with the right here and the right now, you know, not only being who I am, but this time and place, like right here in this moment, we have everything that we need Mm. more than enough, especially guys like you and I, and I perceive you as a guy that has a whole lot. I mean, (laughs) you know, when I look at you, I see a a whole lot of success. And so when I hear you talk about the fact that you feel sometimes um, not as affluent or not as successful as some of those around you um it's it's kind of refreshing um because it reinforces but it also reinforces the idea that i have to be grateful for what i have right now if not then i may never be grateful for anything that i may get you know there was that that great video that jim carrey posted a few years ago about thinking that if you got everything that you wanted you would be happy and he said i'm here to tell you that i got everything that i wanted more and I'm not happy. That didn't make me happy. That wasn't the thing that made me happy. Not at all. So there's a really great lesson there, you yeah. know. Um, but I also think that you do, you know, I've done a little research and I, and I've, you know, I talked to Casey a little bit and I know a little bit about some of the um, volunteer efforts that you do. And I think can be very valuable. I know that it is for me to help sort of diminish that comparison thing, you know, um, being, being giving and of service, service, if you will, um, really, really does help solidify that. There was something that said that you, you founded a nonprofit called Align. Align LA. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so what, five, six, uh, about a decade ago, um, I was, I was basically on the verge of being a real piece of shit. Uh, you know, I wasn't, there was no contribution to society. I was a taker. I took, 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 and uh, it was, what could you get me? What could I, you know, what could I get from you? And instead of, um, and so that, and that creates over time, that creates low self-esteem because I became aware of who I was and I became aware of what I was doing. And so about five, six years ago, I thought in order to make up for that for that bad attitude and what I had taken, I was going to try to give back as much as I could. And I was a busy guy. Um, my friends were busy people. and But I, I kind of had, there was this theme amongst all my friends and the people I was associating with. And they were like, yeah, we want to we help. We want to help people, but we don't want to commit. Because if you think about what we can do as a community, it's like I can sit on the board of this or I can commit to every month I have to show up to this meeting or I have to donate money every year or every month or whatever. And that, for some people, that's daunting. Um, so I was trying to find a solution that works for me and my friends. And it was a, a basically, it's a volunteer board. You know, Align LA basically brings 
people that live in LA. There's also a line, San Diego, that's run by um, a friend of mine. She wanted to do something similar, and she was like, "Can I do this here?" I was like, "Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the most big idea in the world. It's just basically." And a place where people can gather, like, I have a Saturday morning free. Do you guys want to get together and go walk dogs at, uh, for instance, the Amanda Foundation down in Beverly Hills? And I, I went to take it back real quick to kind of get off track. Um, I, when I wanted to volunteer, I started, I looked up and there was these beautiful girls. They were all like models and, and they had this little association called, uh, what the hell, they were the Earth Angels. And they were all just ex-models, ex-actresses, or current models, current actresses. And they would get go around and they would do these little volunteer plays. So they'd get 30 of them together and they'd go read to children at the at St. Anne's over in Koreatown. Um, so I took that idea. And there was there were just based, like, they're like, we're all girls, we're all models. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And, yeah, I like being there, obviously. Um, but we took that and expanded it and made it into, you know, worked with a bunch of different places. If you needed volunteers, you could come to me. I could put it out to, you know, two, 300 people at the start, ask them, Hey, do you want to get together and do this? And it would be a mix. You know, we just come in and supplement whatever the activity was. Um, and I think, I mean, I, it's, it's amazing how many people actually do want to help and you know, they don't, they don't do it every day because they don't know where to go. And if you talk to somebody be like, would you like to volunteer somewhere? Yeah. Where? No one knows where to go. Well, I think that we're all wrapped up in our own lives and we get into our routines mm-hmm. and we have families and jobs and business and things that we have to do all the time. Uh, we don't necessarily take the time to schedule that type of thing unless it's put in our face. And I'm like, yeah, I'll make that time if I have an opportunity to do it. Um, I noticed that you do a lot of beach cleanup and things like that. And I, th- I just think it's great. You know, I, I have my own outlet for that as well Mm -hmm. i volunteer in a lot of places like down at the midnight mission and there's a whole bunch of guys that are like in similar circles that we run in that uh, i go out and help uh in any way that i can and we do it on a regular basis and it it really does help ground me and and solidify that gratitude that we were that we were talking about you know it really reflects back on us when we put out that that energy and and giving back is it's a self-esteem builder Really? And yeah. And when I was younger, I used to think I was also kind of of the mind as like, what's in it for me? You know, what can I get mm-hmm. from the world? You know, I, I always had that sort of mindset when I came to Hollywood to be in entertainment and it's like, how can I get the stuff for me? Yeah. And I saw people volunteering and I was like, why? What? What do you? Why? Why are you doing that? It doesn't. It yeah. seems like a waste of time. You know, why aren't you working on yourself or or um, putting more time and energy into your art or to your career? And what I realized was is that that was what was giving them the ability to to move on and do the things that they wanted to do. And it also creates a community around yeah. them uh, as well. Well, you get to you you can do it with your community. And that's what the Align LA was basically. Hey, let's get our friends together, and instead of going. You know, what we were doing as friends was going to the bar and watching the game and getting drunk for three days straight or something like that. Now it's like, okay, I'll meet you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and we'll go. This great organization, um, if you ever want to talk to other people, they did this really cool thing. They did hashtag lunch bag. And it was super, they were at uh, the great guy, AJ and and Will, and they basically were all sitting around one Christmas evening and they said, hey, you know, we're in LA, like, what can we do to help people? And they were just screwing around. They said, let's make sandwiches and feed the homeless every, you know, once a month. And they created this thing. Social media was kind of 
was this five, six years ago? It was right around the time I started looking for places to go volunteer. And they're a great one because they kind of are the same mind of, Hey, you don't have to come every month, but we do it once a month, every Sunday, um, every Sunday, no, the last Sunday of every month. And we do it. They actually do it at a bar at 9am. The bars obviously closed, but they, we have some friends that own a bar, uh, the parlor down in Hollywood and we'd all sit there and, uh, There'd be a sandwich making station, a bag making station. People started bringing their kids. It became this huge community event. And uh, you get to hang out with your friends and make sandwiches and then go downtown and then go see who you get the sandwiches to. And that that's the humbling experience, right? You get to have a little fun. That's great stuff, man. And I know that you're new homeowner here in Venice. That's right. What brought you down to the neighborhood? Why did you want to move down here? <laughs> um well, you know, a little... Are we from originally? A little. I'm from Northern California originally. Yeah, whereabouts? Uh, Santa Rosa, California. Really? You know, yeah. I'm from Pleasant Hill. And That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're both kind of NorCal guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's slow up in NorCal. So I came down here and uh, right after college with actually my college girlfriend. She wanted to move down here. And, and, um, and, and what was she doing? She worked for Fox or something. And... That you know the the L.A. story. You come down here with a girlfriend, and it dissolves shortly thereafter. Um, the world gets so much bigger down here, and uh, <laughs> and so we uh, anyway. But I came down here. I stayed down here. I loved it, and I lived in West L.A. when I first came down here. Santa Monica was the, my my spot. I loved it, and then as I got more and more involved with with nightlife and things that were going on and during the evening I moved east into Hollywood and then about what two two and a half years ago I started dating my girlfriend Casey and she lived in Venice and I was commuting from Venice to Hollywood it was a long distance relationship for sure and I didn't want to do long distance anymore and so she said well come move to Venice let's do this and so that's that's how I ended up here and it's I love a, it. It's I a good it. reason. Yeah, it's a good reason. Yeah, uh, for those listeners who uh, have been listening to the show, that's episode one, Casey Calmanson. You're actually the the real estate boyfriend. That's right. That that she mentioned oh, in, in okay. that first episode. I was mentioned. All right. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good. yeah. She. Had, we, we were talking about being the new homeowner in, in yeah. Venice, and uh, you know, she attributes a lot of her uh well-being and uh happiness to you so oh, that's good. it i don't so you but apparently you didn't listen to the episode no so. no 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 <laughs> i did i she you know what she didn't did she tell me not to she told me to do something i feel like she told me to listen to it but i didn't okay that sounds about well right. she played a song on it too it was really did pretty she? which yeah. one did she play you um it was one of the covers that same one one of the covers that she did at uh, Pacific Resident Theater that night. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the the Corinne Bailey Ray song. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. That was, uh, that yeah. was yeah. She's a great. She's case. amazing. She got a new song out this last week. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, treading water. Yeah, I'm gonna have her come back in and do more stuff. Yeah, just because it's so cool to have her around. Anyway, she's, um, she's very talented. Yeah, she's good yeah. people. She keeps me wild. Because <laughs> if it were up to me, I'd be like, I'd work, I'd eat. And I'd hang out with my friends. I'd go to bed. Like there would be very. I'd have a very. But she's like, uh, no, you're not gonna do that. You're gonna go do this. Let's go to yoga. Let's go camping. I'm like, okay. So I can. I, she definitely makes my life uh, more exciting. I can see that. That's cool. That's another reason why I, I look at you guys and I just see that you have. You know, you just have so much. Um, I admire you guys. Anyway, um, as far as uh, Venice is concerned. Did you were you aware of that big meeting that they had last night um, about the homeless situation? 
Um, I don't know if you attended. I wasn't able to attend it either, but a lot of my friends, I've been talking to them this morning about what happened. How did it go? I, I saw people. I was out dropping off pumpkins in my neighborhood with uh, Elvis the dog and my new red wagon full of pumpkins. Um, <laughs> so, and I saw people walking toward, where was it? Again? It was, it was at the Westminster, yeah, that's School, right. Westminster School and, uh, several hundred people registered to go and there was an overflow outside. I went outside. I was actually going to volunteer at another thing last night, so I wasn't able to attend, but I, I cruised by there and there was a massive overflow of people that actually couldn't even make it into the auditorium. There was a massive turnout and it was kind of contentious. You know, I think really? that, yeah, it was kind of contentious. What, what the, the crux of the conversation is, are they going to provide bridge housing for homeless, and where are they going to do it? And um, uh, I guess Mike Bonin and uh, Mayor Garcetti really want to use the Muni Depot over there on Main Street, which is this big lot that they've been trying to figure out what they're going to do with for a long time. And there, apparently there are a number of different places that are available to do this bridge housing in District 11. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them are in more industrial areas that are not completely surrounded by residential. residential. Yeah. So all the people that are within that area that are surrounding that Muni terminal do not want to have that bridge housing there. They want to put it in more of a residential, in more of an industrial area yeah. so that it has less impact on the neighborhood and tries to get more and more people you know, away from the beach. And, you know, it's a tough thing to say, to say, hey, we got to get you guys off the beach. And I was talking to um, another gentleman, Jack. I don't know if he wants me to mention his last name, but he's another big real estate agent in town. Okay. A real estate guy. He's been here since the 80s. And he talked, and he heads up a group of uh, property owners in Los Angeles that have been trying to just make the area clean and safe. That's all they want to do is make it clean and safe. And unfortunately, when we have so many people who are living on the streets, those two things are very hard to accomplish. It's not clean nor that safe for mm -hmm. people in our neighborhood. So it's, it's a very complex issue. And apparently the meeting last night got a little contentious because Mayor Garcetti is trying to force the issue and put them in the muni, sp in the muni space. And everyone else was arguing, well, there's 11 other places or seven other places in district 11 where this can happen yep. um, and they're trying to push it away so it was a very interesting conversation it's a very complex issue and now how far along does this district 11 go it, it's those? it's pretty it's pretty big i mean i can look it up yeah look it up because I'm, I'm curious because i've seen where bonin wants to put that where they wanted to put that uh, as they call it bridge housing um which i mean if you live in that area i don't blame i Honestly, I don't blame the people. And then homelessness is a very complex issue. And, um, but I don't blame the homeowners in that area that, I mean, you see, it's, it's, it's tough. Have your kids, you go, you want to walk your dog in the evening. You don't feel safe. There's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And I can't imagine what some of those people are going through. And, Hang on. I'm bringing up the map here right now. District 11 map. Uh, here we go. So it's pretty big. I mean, District 11 is all of this. All so the All the pink? Yeah, all the pink area in here. So it's mostly on the west side. Some of Santa Monica, Palisades, and then... 
and then this is like Venice, Santa Monica area. I think that Santa Monica is incorporated, so I don't think that that's part of District in Los Angeles. Got it. So Santa Monica is incorporated, but it includes like the Palisades, West LA, Venice. <laughs> Imagine, hey, uh, Palisades, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna put a, this beautiful, beautiful structure in your neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the 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 sections that I saw online earlier are mostly in West LA and near Culver City and Franklin and some of those other industrial areas by Boyle Heights and that type of thing, yep. which is part of District 11. Um, I can see the argument there, you know, of putting it more of in an industrial area so it doesn't have impact on families and things like that. And also, there is a lot of income that has come into Venice with the businesses That's, that yes. are finding it very more, much difficult to, to encourage people to come to Venice and stay here uh, when that element is on well, the street. Well, that's the difference between, you know, maybe a plan that would have worked eight years ago, nine years ago, isn't going to be the plan that works today. Yeah. So I don't know how long they've been considering putting it here in Venice. Like, hey, 10 years ago in Venice, putting a half a halfway house or, or bridge housing, that would have made sense. Well, back in the day, I mean, I've lived here for a long time, yeah. there are still government housing projects three blocks from here that are still there. I mean, there was a ton of projects, if you will, right over there in Ghost Town. And this was the place to do it because nobody came here. Yeah. It was it was pretty nasty neighborhoods, you know, and so they built these six-story multi-unit complexes where they housed people and nobody cared at the time. Yeah. But now that, of course, that has changed. So now they're trying to figure out a way to do it better and, and not give stuff away. This is the other thing. I don't know what your opinion is on this, and I don't know what the answer is on this. I just like talking about it yeah. because it's interesting. And also there are some ballot measures coming up in the midterm elections that talk about these types of things too here in California and across the United States. There's, there was a plan to just build housing for people and basically give them condos. You know, mm-hmm. build these tall buildings and just give them houses. And it would be very, very expensive and there's no way to recoup that expense. So uh, it didn't seem like that great of an idea, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the midnight mission model where they take people in and put them into a year program. They give them some assistance with getting IDs, with getting social security numbers, getting them healthier, getting them job training, and then maybe placing them into some interim sort of halfway house environment and then helping them move on. I mean, they've taken a million people off the street. Are they really? Yeah. Wow. Over the time that they've I like been their there. program. I didn't know how many they took. It's, wow. it's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And since they rebuilt the mission, it's, it's one of, if not the best homeless shelter programs in the United States, without a doubt. And so that's, I think that that's a good model because they provide people with sort of soup to nuts support. So many of the people that are on the streets around here don't have driver's licenses or IDs or, and, and they can't get health care because of that, or they can't get a job because of that, or a place to live. Um, so starting off with maybe doing this bridge housing thing where, and then providing the support for people to say, hey, what do you need? You know, uh, are you healthy? Do you have an ID? Do you have, you know, the ability to have any support from your family? Try to, you know, work on these as a case-by-case basis to help them along the process of getting back on their feet. There's no one solution. You know, there's nothing like, hey, let's build a building and put them all in there. That's not going to work. Well, I don't think the 
Well, I mean, Jack, Jack was saying that, you know, if there was free housing here, people would come here and they would live on the streets for two years and then get a free house. Well, that's what I, I, I think people don't, not everyone wants to have a house, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, they're not just because they're on the streets doesn't mean they're like, oh, I really, you know, some people are down and out. Some people have had really bad luck, but there's others that that's their, cho- that's the life that they've, they've chosen. And there's people that'll choose that life, whether they get free housing or not. And that's why I think Section 8, which is half paid by the government, Section 8 housing obviously is everywhere. Um, but many people live, sometimes you know you live in, near it and sometimes you have no idea. Um, all new developments here in L.A. have a Section 8 component, generally speaking. And it's where the government pays half the rent and you pay the other half. And the rents are, are rather low. Um but those and that shows what that you're you you want a place to live maybe you are down you're maybe you're just in a lower income bracket and you can't afford rent in a nice building or a nicer area um i actually had a friend that had section 8 housing in seacastle which is that beautiful apartment building on the beach in santa monica he had a studio and i think his studio was 800 bucks a month um i mean the government paid 800 bucks and he paid 800 dollars because he made under it was under the 30,000 dollar mark when he first came into uh, work here in LA, but you know, those are, I think that really, he was working, he was just low income. So that, that model works a lot better, I think, um, than free housing. I think anyone, yeah. if if you give anyone something for free, they generally don't respect it. I agree. Know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there was another gentleman who said, you know, there, there's that big rent control ballot on the uh, measure that's, that's coming up. Uh, prop 10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's all also very contentious. Um, yeah. Developers are way against it. And people who are renters and can't afford to buy and don't want to be kicked out of their current situation are very much for it. And it, it's a difficult, it's another difficult question. I mean, he brought up the point that if you go to Santa Monica and you see so many of those rental income, uh, rental, rent control properties, um, most of those people have Audis and BMWs in the garage because they've been there for a long time and yeah. their rent is so low that they just don't ever want to live. And so it's, they don't ever want to leave. So it's not really helping the homeless situation, you know, but it's, yeah. it is giving them a stable place to live. And I, in some ways, I think that that's more important. I don't think that it was really designed rent control anyway, was really designed to help get people off the street. I think it was more designed to help stabilize living conditions so people can't be just thrown out on the street or add to the homeless situation. So in some ways, you know, Prop 10, I mean, it's a tough issue. I um, Yeah, Prop 10, you got Prop 10 and you have Proposition 5. Yeah. So as a, you know, I'm in real estate, I think it's kind of alluded to it, but... um, their proposition five. What are they telling us? They're telling us yes on five, no on ten. That's the that's the party line um, voting. So, and the way they're pitching is if we go no on if we go no on ten, um, you'll have. So back in the eighties, we had uh, we had we had the rent control that they want to bring back. Right? They abolished it. Hey, he's good. Okay, they abolished um they abolished the rent. What is it called? It's called uh. Oh my gosh, I can't remember it. But in the 80s and early 90s, they had rent control. And the rent control was, it was, uh, it was policed by mun- municipality. So Santa Monica had their, basically their own rent control. Everyone had their own rent control. And the way I understand it is if we vote yes 
Is it yes? Yes. If we vote yes, if we vote Prop 10 in, uh, small cities can then control their own rent. They can have their own control of the rent. And it doesn't mean they have to. It just means that they can. Yes. However, there's certain cities in L.A., at least. I can't speak for all of California, but at least in L.A., that could and most likely would do crazy things that would hinder, you know, development. Would what, what, what would be a crazy thing that they could do? Like, um, so I think something crazy they could do is they can. So right now they would do, they would put rent control in a brand new apartment building. So I'm a developer. I just spent a hundred million dollars to develop this beautiful building. It's going to bring in a very nice quality human being who makes a nice living. They probably work in Playa Vista. They're executive mm-hmm. at a nice tech company. They moved here from Nebraska or Ohio with their family, and they want to have you know a, a nice place to live. And then the city of Santa Monica is going to tell me I can only charge them X amount of dollars. Well, I just spent a hundred million dollars. Don't tell me what I can do. Right. You know. And now. And so I stopped developing because there's no money in this right now. There's no money. I can't make any money. So development stops. Okay. Um, and the whole idea of behind Prop 10 is, you know, vote yes on Prop 10, vote yes on Prop 10. They're going to say it's going to make the, sh- the housing situation better, right? There's going to be more housing. You're going to have more affordable housing. People are going to have more places to live. The moment you start taking supply out of the market, your demand goes up and, and, and you're just going to have less places for people to live developing development stops, you know? And so once development stops, it's not that, you know, and I know the big bad developers make all sorts of money. We see them all over there. They have, they're just making, they're making hand over fist and oh, that's our money. Um, and it's very difficult to ask anybody to make less money. Yeah. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Exactly. If you're asking certain people to make less money, you're going to find resistance. And the truth is development is a risky game. You know, it hasn't been risky the last few years. They make a lot of money, but there's, I mean, we forget that back in the, uh, you know, early 2000s, developers lost their ass. You know, homeowners did too, but developers who had, you know, 10 houses, they were, they were making nicer in an area. They lost all their money. Um, and then we had the savings and loans uh, scandal back in, I think, the 80s. And then you had a crash in the 90s and developers were the people who, lost all the money. They had millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars on the line. And, you know, I mean, our president right now, he's one of the guys. He lost his shorts a few times in, in those crises um, or crises. So, you know, we're, we're, we, we, once we take the power away from, we say, okay, the developer, anyway, once the developer stops developing, then we have a housing shortage again, which we're kind of right back in the same place. Yeah. Apparently there's, a need, according to some statistics that I've read, a need for a million units in California. Yeah. So we need development. There's no question about it. And developers won't develop if they can't make money. Right. So how do we incent developers to make money and address low-income housing at the same time? Do we do... We raise taxes. Raise taxes. (laughs) Perfect. Everybody's going to want that one. Raise taxes. Yeah, we raise taxes and we pay the developers to develop. Really? Yeah. Actually, there is, uh, there was, in this new government, we have, they have, it's a national, it's a national part of the budget, but they gave some odd billion of dollars to low-income housing uh, developers. So my friends actually are Section 8 development guys, and they went from buying Section 8 apartment buildings 
to building Section 8 apartment building because there was there was a, quite a bit of money. And then in L.A., there's certain bonus areas where you could get bonus density if you build it within this area or that area. And uh, there was a lot of money out there for those people that want to develop. So I guess that could be one way to incent developers. Mm-hmm. Is it there was a model that I saw in Santa Monica where it was required that you had a certain amount of low income housing in your building and then you could sell the rest uh, for market value? For example, big condos and things like that. I feel like that's pretty, that's been going on a while. And I feel like, I mean, I lived at the Palazzo, Palazzo East uh, over in Hollywood for a long time. And even that they, when they developed, that was an AIMCO development out of uh, Colorado's a developer. AIMCO is the developer out of Colorado and they basically, they, they had to pay, they didn't have to pay. They had to have some of it. And those were apartment buildings for those of you who aren't familiar with, uh, with the Palazzo, which you should be if you live in LA. Um, but those did have a section eight component and it was, it was interesting because you had a very expensive unit for rent and then on the bottom floor and some of the less desirable units you had, what you know people might call less desirable people yeah, to yeah. live around um so you would never call them less desirable i wouldn't no 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 unless i own the property um <laughs> but it, the, the, the less desirability is all based on how much they can pay for rent. how much they could pay and they know how they're going to leave the unit when they vacate well, I see. um it's interesting because we all we all want to see more housing but we don't want to pay for it and we don't want to pay we don't want to and let developers make all the money so we don't essentially want them to pay for it because they have to go get a loan from a bank and they got to show the bank how much money they're going to make and the bank has to give them the loan. And there's, a, there's, it's just such a, it's a very big process, you know, I think to incentivize developers and to also, you know, listen to the public of no, de- it's just, you got two sides of the story. You got people that don't want development and you got people that, uh, that, that are, that are, that are pro development, you know? And so, it's, it's just, it's hard. Especially here in Venice, because it's such a small area. And the people that have lived here for a very long time, some of the homeowners that are friends of mine that have been here for 20, 30 years, do not want there to be too much development or too high, too much high-rise development or too many um, modern-looking buildings to take away from the personality of this little area. And so they inhibit developers. They, they try to do the, what they can to... You've been to some of those meetings? Those meetings get vicious. Yeah, they're interesting. They well, I, I, have, I have friends that have been to the meetings and then come and talk to me about it. I don't know <laughs> if I'm, I would be safe there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, so they don't really want to change the flavor of the neighborhood. So what's the answer? You know, Do we ship homeless people away to a bridge housing area in an industrial area in West LA or Boyle Heights or something like that so that it just gets out of our face, you know? Or do we allow a certain amount of development? This other gentleman, Jack's idea was allow developers to build a 70 or 100 foot tall multi-unit structure. That's how many, you know, that's 10 stories high, yeah, by the 10 way. 10 stories just high. Just for those who, 100 yeah. feet that's 10 stories high. It's 10 so stories. It's a so, 10 story building. Yeah, or like a seven story building mm-hmm. with many units, maybe 50 or 60 units in it, and have it be more of a, a dormitory environment in which there's not kitchens or bathrooms in every single unit, maybe just one per floor, and then have it like a cafeteria setting on the bottom where you could still sell stuff down there to the public, uh, to the community at large. They could come in, they could buy things, but if you lived in that, 
dormitory setting that you would have lower costs for food and things like that. And in that building, you could also put the services that I talked about before, which was help people move along the process of becoming more self-sustaining. And I thought that that was a a decent idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's such resistance to building anything tall in this neighborhood or even in Santa Monica. They're, they're trying to put a moratorium on big apartment buildings in Santa Monica right now too, because they let people go crazy with it. And now it's just so saturated with people and traffic that it's difficult to, to live there now for the people that have been there for a long time. So it's just, it's a very interesting problem and I'm fascinated to see how it, how it plays out. I mean, Venice, yeah, we have a, Santa Monica had a homeless problem. Yeah, they had a big one, and they still. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't call it a problem in Santa Monica. Not as much as it is. But ten in years Venice. ago, it was something. It sure was, and, and I think that they, uh, the city council, decided that they weren't going to tolerate it anymore. Yeah, and, and where they come? I mean, they mo- I don't, did they come here, or were we, did we already have them, or did what? What happened? You were. You've been here longer than I have. I think that no. they moved south of Rose. Okay, so they were north of Rose, and now, yeah, now pretty much. Okay, yeah, I think that there. It's interesting if you go to Rose, there are property owners that have literally moved stuff across the street, mm. Be- and they have support from the community and from law enforcement to do that because it's illegal to have those things on the sidewalk in Santa Monica. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You cannot do it in Santa Monica, so they will move your stuff, and so people move it across the street, and now it's in Los Angeles, which is in Venice. Yeah. It, it, it's illegal to do that in Santa Monica. You can't like just live on the street. You can't put a tent up. You can't. No, not on a sidewalk, not you know, or bridge. not in a park, not in a bridge, not down on the beach, anywhere. You and just about three months it. after I moved down here, we, we lived over by, we live over by the, but um, beyond Baroque and yeah, the Pacific yeah. theater. Um, is that was Pacific resident? Yeah, yeah. Pacific resident theater. And there was a, there was a place owned by the, it's not Transit Depot, but it's like the water, it's the Department of Water and Power or something. It's like that DWP strip. It was right there. I feel like it's beyond, It's right between Air One and the theater. And there's a strip. There was a strip right there. There's a parking lot. It's, is that electric? Yeah. Oh, yeah. electric? Is that electric? Um, no, it's not electric, but there was a, there was a big homeless Fire encampment. Station. Yeah. There was a big homeless encampment right between, um, station 63 and Erewhon. That's right. Yeah. It was right there. And then they ended up booting all those people out oh, because that, that it be- was dirty and messy. And you know, I, at first when it came, I was like, they need a place to stay. And I'd walk there. I'd, I'd walk my dog and I'd walk with my girlfriend and we'd walk down to Erewhon from our house and it takes us right by that, you know? And then one night we're walking one evening, we're walking and my girlfriend, Casey, she goes, Oh, we're going to stay on this side of the street. I go, it's, it's inconvenient to walk on this side of the street. Mm-hmm. Let's go on the other. I don't want to walk in front of those people. And so I get, I get it. And I, I was like, oh, I understand. And then one day I was walking by myself there. And as I was walking my dog and as somebody, one of the guys was like, yo, what, what time is it? What time is it? And I was like, I had my earphones in. I take, I take out my phone. As I take out my phone, I'm not paying attention to my dog. My dog barks at this other dog that's owned by a homeless person. And then another dog comes out and like attacks my little dog, my little eight pound, beautiful little boy. And this big pit bull comes out and tries to attack him. And I was like, holy, and I was checking my phone for the time. And I mean, and, and then I understood, I was like, they can't, they're just, it doesn't go with what's going on, you know, with this, with this part of town. So you got to keep them in different parts of town. And so I think putting anything in Venice, whether it be a 10-story, 8-story building, I, I don't think that solves your issue. Um, you know, it's 
it's a sad thing to say, but I do like your midnight mission. I think that, you know, if, if they can, if they can do that affordable, I, I don't know how much midnight mission needs in order to operate. Well, it's know. partially state funded. And then they also have a ton of private donors. I think that's a, I mean, and a, a lot ton. of volunteers, right? A, lot, a of lot of volunteers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they have a ton of private donors. They have a lot of people, you know, that have gone through that program and have become successful people, like very successful people who give back in massive ways. Wow. Always tried to help get people off the street and volunteer down there and give tons of money and do whatever they can. I mean, like you said at the beginning of this conversation, people are willing to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, people are willing to give, especially if they have massive resources. Yeah. <laughs> Call, my friend calls it liberal guilt. You liberal know, guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, like that. I mean, you can play to their liberal guilt. If they have so many resources, why aren't you giving back to people? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, Interesting. I'm really interested to see how it plays out. And it feels to me like the homeowners and the businesses are going to have their way. You know, I I think that they have the most influence around here. And it's probably not going to be that muni station where this where this uh, bridge housing is going to happen. And that may be for the better. I I, I mean, as a Venice resident, I would say, yes, it's for the better. Um, Bonin, I mean, poor Bonin is just he's he's had a loss after loss. Everything he tries to do. Since since his bike lane idea, I feel like <laughs> yeah. on, really... on on Venice Boulevard. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Ever since that, he's he's been on a on a on a losing streak. Yeah, you know. So it's... real estate as a whole for you, you know, I remember we had a conversation a couple months back, and you were saying, "Oh, there's not enough people. There's not enough stuff for people to buy." Mm-hmm. But I see for sale signs everywhere, especially around on the west side. Now, are those for sale signs are only for very affluent people that want to move here? Or are people still doing a lot of flipping? Or what's going on with, with real estate with right real now? real estate on the west side, um, you know, we have, we have one. We have a, there's an agency out here that has been pushing prices for for the last better part of you the can decade. call them out you can know they're and they're and they're really good at, at what um at what they do but tammy party tammy party <laughs> and, and her group over there and they do really they've done a really good job and um you know they're probably responsible partly responsible for the the high prices here in venice they've really pushed the market and it's been good but there becomes a point in the market where they can no longer take being pushed and so the stuff you see on the market right now has been it's a it's a price pushed property and what that means is it's going to have to sit there a little longer in order to be absorbed um and that it's not it's not her fault by any means it's 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 the and now so homeowners are aware of what's going on you know you go in your mailbox any given day there's 20 flyers just sold this just sold or here's a list of stuff that's just sold and it's oh look at this a thousand square feet it's a two bedroom one bath just like my house is sold for two million dollars i could get two million you're like no but that had a brand new everything and you've been in it since 1942 and haven't done shit to it for that long so you're not the two million dollar thousand square foot house um so you know but so you have a community that's aware of what's going on in the, in the real estate world. And so they want to push the price. Um, but also Venice is cool and we could think, you know, you're a cool guy. You've lived in Venice forever. You helped make it cool. Right. I just came in on the tail end. I'm not even close to cool by the way. Um, so I'm just here riding the coattails of Ron, um, and a couple other Venice locals and, you know, trying to be cool like them. But the truth is, is like, there's people like me coming in and drop and, and, and people that are spending money. I was actually on my way to meet you this morning. I, there was a car parked in front of our house and I was like, I don't recognize that car. Nice car. 
And I walk out and Elvis, uh, I got to go run in, grab Elvis and come meet you. And as I coming back to my car to head over here, I run into a late two ladies or three ladies and one of them, they're looking for a house. It's a mother, a daughter, and an agent. They're looking at a house down the street that's for sale. That's, I think it's for sale for one nine and it's not really worth one nine. And it's been on the market for about three weeks now. Um, but you know, they're looking, it's a young girl and the mom. Now I'm not saying the young girl, I, my guess is, I don't know, maybe the young girl has money. I don't know. Um, maybe she's has a blog or maybe she's a social media influencer and making just hand over fist. I don't know. But my, in my real estate opinion is mom's there helping daughter finance, you know, we're on the, and so places like Venice, yeah, we have a, we have a housing, we have low inventory, which pushes up prices. Um, but we do have to have a price ceiling. I think that at one point we're going to, I think we're right around there. I think right now is kind of that moment where from everything that I've read and heard from folks in real estate and also people that are, um, just interested in doing it privately for themselves. Yeah. We're at the high end. Yeah. Yeah. And And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think we're going to stay here. Yeah. Just stay here. It's a desirable area. Yeah. And people do want to be in Venice. It's a beautiful place. Um, the people are great. There's great shopping. I mean, there's just a lot. You're close to the beach. Um, you're not in Santa Monica where there's 9 million tourists every single summer. And I, I, and yeah, I think apartment buildings might be part of the problem. You mentioned apartment buildings in Santa Monica. The tourists, I, everything on ocean. If you ever go down ocean and Broadway in that section, I mean, it's the energy is amazing. Well, we still have, we have the same problem or <laughs> the same thing in Venice as on well. The, on uh, the beach. On the boardwalk. Yeah, you know, and that's Abbot always Kinney, been the way. Too, and and Abikini has become that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of us locals that have been here for a long time avoid the boardwalk and now basically avoid Abikini because yeah. it's it's like you know, living in Disneyland, basically, mm-hmm. you know, or, or on Rodeo Drive now. It really is. You know, Abbot Kinney has become like Montana West or Montana South. Yeah. You know, it's just all shoppers and people from other countries. And, and God bless, you know, I, I've, I've embraced the change, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the neighborhood has kind of grown up around me. Yeah. And uh, it, has, it has remained a desirable place, but it's just changed. It's just changed, you know, and you can't, you can't beat the weather. No, um, that's for sure. As far as Los Angeles is concerned, it definitely attracts the forward-thinking group of 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 people in this in this community in in this uh, like state. I would say, yeah, know? without a doubt. Throughout Venice's history, that has been the truth. Really, artists, musicians, tech people, I met forward artist, thinkers. I met an artist the other day, a longtime Venice. Do you know Trek? Trek Kelly. I don't. No, I don't. always wears a cowboy hat. He's like a muralist. Oh, I do know that the guy. The van guy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I mean, but there's this one section, um, I don't know if you know Market Street down there in Venice, that used to be where the old Snapchat headquarters oh, was, yeah, or like yeah. the Aardvark building. Mm-hmm. Most of those are for lease now. <laughs> yeah. Snapchat is kind of... Downsizing. Yeah, or yeah. just moved. They moved to Santa Monica, yeah. they have a big complex out there, and then they have this big monstrosity over here um, on Venice Boulevard. The artists that have had studios or galleries there throughout history some of the biggest art basquiat and you know um many 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 big name artists have been 
here in Venice. It's just, and like some of the biggest punk bands and uh, some of the biggest bands like The Doors and, and on and on and on. Big, big actors like Julia Roberts and Dennis Hopper and, and Angelica Houston, they all had properties here. It's always been one of those places that has drawn extremely creative and forward-thinking people. And I think that that has continued with the, the tech boom and with people that have just, just because Snapchat was created here but also google had moved here before that the, the shia day building the one with the, the binoculars, binoculars yeah. that used to be a massive advertising agency oh. and then google moved in and it was a perfect fit for them because you know their business is search and it had the binoculars in now, front. i thought they made that i was no uh, no yeah. that's a shy day to tour thing. that office a couple months ago it's pretty cool oh very cool it's their amazing. food is good too <laughs> they got a lot of food options yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. can go to the uh, venice art walk that they sponsor and oh, go through they? yeah okay. yeah they do that every year and you can go through and walk through the building and it's it's pretty amazing it's yeah. a pretty cool place but been there shia day was a big advertising agency and they were the ones that put those binoculars there that have been there forever and then across the street where the big clown is in santa monica yep. that was all arnold's arnold schwarzenegger's property he had that for years and years really yeah he owned that whole complex that's where his restaurant shotzi was on the bottom <laughs> floor shotzi shotzi's <laughs> restaurant is there for many years and they had a big cigar booth in there where you could go and smoke cigars. I just was, that's so funny you mentioned that. I was actually on, my friend sent me this this interview with Arnold back in the day about smoking stogies. Yeah. And he wanted, he's like, he's like, you think I listen to my wife? I don't listen to my wife. Her dad told me to smoke these. And it was really funny. And I was like, oh my God. But anyway, the yeah. Shotsky. Okay. Shotsky. And you know where, um, the, the Google building right now is there on Hampton and it goes up to Rose where the Rose Cafe is, mm -hmm. right? And that's like the border between Venice and Santa Monica. But right before that, there's this other building which was called Gaslight 321, which was also a public works building. But Arnold owned that whole thing too. And that's where his office was when he ran for governor i guess that makes sense right he was lifting at muscle beach and he gold was, he was he muscle was gold yeah he was yeah. he was golds you know uh, gold's gym was 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 arnold and lou ferrigno do you work out at gold i do is that how is it i love it there yeah i love it it's so weird and so odd that it's great is it's it? like it's okay. a freak show i've never been oh you I gotta go check it out i'm gonna go like do like a tester week or whatever. oh you gotta go you gotta go oh, it's man. great arnold still works out in there Really? Yeah, I've seen him well, recently. That's worth everything, right? And there. and Lou Ferrigno still works out in there uh, too. Lou, and there's and there's there are there's equipment there that's been there since the 70s. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like they have this leg press machine, and they have a couple of things there that have that were the ones that those guys got built on. Really? Yeah, and they moved them over to that new location. The original location was down on uh, Pacific, right behind that wall where that there's a facade there that was the original Gold's Gym facade. I see it. I, they still has Gold's on it, right? Exactly. And but I behind that, what the hell that is? It, that they they kept that facade in respect for that place but behind it is a really nice house that somebody has Got it. but the now the gold's gym is in the google building which google bought that whole complex on yeah. both sides uh, but they lease to golds now got it and uh but that place has been there forever i've been going there for 20 years um and it's it's interesting it's a very and depending on the time of day that you go there yeah. you get these different factions or groups of people that work out like a lot of professional bodybuilders well, are in there well that's when I would go obviously <laughs> just so that you can you like, can't see me on the other side of this mic but I am <laughs> definitely a professional bodybuilder yeah yeah yeah, both of us. Yeah, really. <laughs> we're, we're up there. But then you have this a whole other faction of like these Google execs with their trainers, you know, with like 
every piece of equipment that they can own on their bodies, you know, like with their Apple watch and their shoes and like their brand new workout clothes yeah. and working out with their trainers. It's, 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 it's definitely a sight to see. You got to go down there, man. You have to check it out. I, I go to the Equinox in Marina Del Rey. I don't, there's really not that many people. There's some nice people. I've met them, but. There's not that many people. I feel like it's not as much as a show. As oh, I it's get definitely it not. Well, the, the good thing, I mean, a lot of people don't like it because there are a lot of like meatheads in there, you know, guys yeah. that are walking around just staring at themselves in the mirror all day. But I find it kind of inspiring because it's a gym. Mm-hmm. It's not a health club. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to really go into the locker room because it's pretty nasty. Is it's it? Like, okay, that's you, my other... Yeah, yeah you're not going to go... I, I wouldn't go and shower there. Okay, got it. If you're going to just go and get a workout in and then bolt, good. You know, because I live close enough so that I can either ride my bike or walk. I just go over there and then I come home and shower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but it's very inspiring because people are there to move weight. Yeah. That's it. And so you just go in and you get your workout in and everybody's very focused about doing that. So I, I kind of like it no for chit-chat. that. No chit-chat. Not really. Really? No, okay. no. Don't want to be bothered. And maybe I'm not, far, I'm very chatty. So I, know. I know. I've been I, at Erewhon with you. You yeah. just stripe up conversations with whomever is around. Yeah. Yeah, you're I, that guy. I am that guy. <laughs> you know, I used to not want it. My girlfriend doesn't like me being that guy. You know, Casey does not like that. She's like, oh, God, I can't go anywhere with you. <laughs> And, uh-uh. you know, and so I had a little shame, actually beginning of this year, I, sh- I was a little, in- I was shamed about that for a while. And I was, you know, and then I realized, fuck that. This is who I am. <laughs> and I'm going to talk to everyone and anyone that I want to, because the truth is, is I don't know, maybe I'm making their day better that maybe they can make my day better and bring a little joy into their life. Maybe no one's ever talked to them before. Maybe, you know. Maybe, uh, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Well, you have a way about you. I will give you this. It's, I, I kind of admired it because there are some intimidating people that walk around that Erewhon. Like, <laughs> they have this air about them, like, uh, I'm, you know, too good to be talked to. And, like, my Lululemons are just tight enough to show off the things that I want to show off. And I'm going to get my kale salad now, and I don't want to be bothered. But then here comes Brian. Hey, man, hey, di- weren't you at the thing that I saw you at last year? at that thing and they're like oh hi and you just break down their shield immediately that's their, that's what i do i gotta get in there and let them know uh that they're they're just like everyone else yeah yeah, yeah. just knock them down a couple yeah. pegs or lift them up you know yeah, or lift them up okay. they're probably scared those really pretty people are generally scared i found that they too very insecure self-esteem. yeah very insecure you know and they just i don't i don't know why I mean, they probably you know some mental problem or something or other and that you just got to say hi to them and yeah. they're usually pretty nice or they just got one of those faces <laughs> fucking you know that look like a, the rbf yeah or, R- or a bitch or yeah. you know they're just walking around and they don't even know it yeah you know i am smiling <laughs> no this is how i smile no i got too much botox and my face is frozen <laughs> that too yes yeah i just look evil now sorry yeah i paid for this I don't mean to be mean. I do love that air one. It is amazing. It's yeah. a whole other. You could just go and watch people I there. I feel like it's, it's like the gold, it's like gold's gym, but not 
Yeah. At the, at the, at the not lifting weight. Well, it's Whole Foods on steroids. Yeah. You know, it's Whole probably F- what Whole Foods was 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it still kind of is. If you go to the Venice Whole Foods, it's still that thing where people are walking around like, mm hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah. We shop at Whole Foods. It's too far away from me. The <laughs> Air One is so close. It, it, that's what I love about you it. Know? You know, I used to, uh, that was one thing I was resistant about. I was like, this is. This is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. This is this is stupid. It is. Why? Why a fifteen dollar like one piece of steak or something? I would never buy those there. But I do go buy the prepared foods there, which are cool. The salad bar. Yep. I mean, you can get out of there for a reasonable price. Twenty you, bucks. Yeah, or less. I've gotten out of there for ten or twelve bucks with a salad and protein and everything. You made sure that salad was light. Yeah, that well, was a, that was yeah. a light salad. Well, I go get the, the, the with the people that make the food. They give you the the combo plate. You yeah, know? it's a lot. Sometimes they get a rookie in there. They don't yeah. know what the hell they're doing. They put in the two pieces of steak, like you say, and, and then the sides. You're like, no, no, no. I'm paying eighteen dollars for this. <laughs> you're gonna put in a full amount, like a full serving. Of yeah, steak. yeah. You gotta barely be able to put that yeah. lid on and squish that yeah, shit I don't down. Know what you think? And they're like, oh, I, I don't know why they give a shit. Like, why do they care? Just give me the fuck. Just give me as much food as you could possibly fit in this thing because. Yeah. You work here. I'm a customer. Is somebody? I want to know. Is somebody instructing them to say? Uh, is somebody saying to them at the beginning of their shift, make sure not to over deliver on the food? They're, they're paying twenty dollars for this, not forty. And it's like it's twenty dollars. I go to a restaurant. I bet. I bet you ten bucks or twenty <laughs> that they uh, have portion control security there. I bet you they do train them on how to do that kind of thing. I think there's one dude that's very stoned every time I go in there. He's the, the guy. They're all baked on he's CBDs. He's the man. He's the man because I go to him and he's, he's just like lit- piling that shit on uh, there. Yes. You, <laughs> I make sure I get him. They're like 19, 20, 21. I'm like, I'm 21, but I'm waiting till that guy's open. That's what Wait I'm a minute. Do. I was 21. Yeah. Can I get this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. I um I'm gonna talk shit on Erewhon for one okay, second. Okay. I have a I have a friend that worked there, and she complained about the fact that she worked there because apparently it wasn't a fun place to work. They were kind of malicious about certain things, and apparently they. I'm, I don't want to know if I want to really talk shit on Erewhon, but you know during the during the day they have this your picture behind the register. exactly they're gonna be like that fucker right there we're not the, serving him anymore the Venice voice guy do not let him in here maybe they can make a nice positive change but you know this <laughs> but this goes back to being of service. Uh, there was a buddy of mine that did this nonprofit where he would go around to restaurants and pick up the extra food and then and then go feed it to the homeless. It was great. You know, they had like all these. Bu- it was a big restaurant group. They got rid of a lot of food at the end of the day, and they were like, "Let's just find a way to make this helpful to someone." Right. So there was this kid. This might be a rumor, Erewhon. I don't know if this is true. Okay. Caveat, I don't know if this is true. This is third-party stuff. But, you know, in the morning, they have these great breakfasts at Erewhon. Like, they have the breakfast burrito and, like, the little Egg McMuffin thing. They're delicious. I love them. But by the end of the day, they stop serving them, and they have a surplus of those things. And apparently, they just toss all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there were some guys there, you know, and they don't pay a whole lot. And there was a couple of guys that apparently were living in their RV or their car, but they worked there. You know, and they would park in the neighborhood and they would work at Erewhon and make whatever they could. And um, they would not let those employees take like a, a shift meal. They wouldn't let them take the extra breakfast burrito before, uh, when they left. And they were like, this one guy apparently took one, and they were like, you can't work here anymore. They fired him. They fired for him. taking the, the burrito that was going that in the That was going trash. in the garbage. Nah. 
Yeah. And so if that's true, Erewhon, I want you to change that. They yeah. should give it to the employees. Absolutely. They should get a shift meal, yeah. for God's sake, especially if they're just going to toss that I mean, I can stuff. barely afford eating there. I can't imagine what somebody who works there. I have to save yeah. like for a month yeah. just to get a meal at Erewhon. It's unbelievable. Because I need my... <laughs> yeah, you need that breakfast burrito? I do. I need that $6 coffee that comes oh. from... Six, you get the cheap coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that that what is that bulletproof the, coffee or the, the? Well, it's no longer bulletproof. I feel like they've started making their own because the bullet they, now it's like I don't know what they probably have an Air One partner now. Yeah, probably. But the iced coffee, that's good yeah. stuff. That's rocket fuel. Yeah. I, might, I might need to get one of those right after this. I do like I do like their stuff. I do too. I, do. I just like going there. Are you a member? I am not a member of okay. Erewhon. Uh, can that, you be a member? Well, yeah, you can. What do you have to do? Is it like a federal air, fair federal airline check type of thing? <laughs> where they do a background <laughs> check background, on it? They're going to read. They're going to listen to this podcast, and you're not going to get membership <laughs> for sure. Um, but me, I'm definitely getting membership. Um, no, it's two hundred dollars, and you get uh, you get ten percent off. No, you get ten percent cash back at the end of the year. So you have to spend, which if you do the math, that's $2,000 to yeah. pay for it. And if you spend over 2000 you could get 10% back. That's a bunch of crap. No, but do you spend over $2,000? No, I don't spend $2,000 do at Arrow Are you sure? A year, uh, maybe. You might. <laughs> I thought, no way am I ever going to spend $2,000 at Air One. A year ago, I had this thought. And now looking back at about a year ago, I've I've. I probably spend five to six thousand dollars. Really? Well, it's well, so convenient for you guys. I mean, you basically it's live across $50. the street. You go there, you get breakfast for two people with coffee. Yeah, yeah. Maybe pick up an egg or a vegetable for later. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's 50, fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, go grocery shopping. One hundred and fifty. I don't go grocery shopping no, I at Erewhon. Try not to. No, go to Ralph's yeah. for that. If you notice that the 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 produce at Erewhon is, there are some really actually decent deals at Erewhon. Um, some of the produce, the organic stuff, is the same price at Ralph's as it is at Erewhon. Really? Yeah, it's the same stuff. I remember one time I bought a he, uh, a bunch of asparagus for twelve dollars. Yeah, I felt stupid. <laughs> I did, but I needed asparagus. I had to do it. I had to do it. You just like stamp a stupid on my forehead as I walk out so of the Erewhon. <laughs> I was like, God, I'm dumb. My parents would not be proud of me right now. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, are your parents still in Northern California? They are. Yeah, they cool. Are. They love coming down here, though, and hanging out. Um, they were just down here the other week. Actually, my mom's supposed to be down here now, but she, her cat broke. My mom, like four years ago, she, we've always had cats. But now that that her sons are out of the house, I'm, a, I'm one of three sons, and they're gone, and we're all gone. And she's fallen in love. She's becoming a cat woman. I'm worried about her a little bit. Now, she has my father as well. And I, you know, is he's he, probably not he, speaking up against it. Well, he's turning into a cat. He probably is. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, she, she's becoming a cat person. And her cat broke his femur or something like that while she was gone visiting me a couple of weeks ago. So she had to stay and uh, nurse the cat back to health. I see. Yeah. I see. Well, we're we're getting just over an hour here. There's one one last thing that I wanted to ask you and maybe encourage you. I mean, you're the type of guy who with your energy and your propensity to help. You know, not only are you just a great person and you and Casey are just awesome people and a great addition to the neighborhood and I'm glad we're friends, but do you see yourself maybe getting more involved with issues locally and what might some of those be, you know, are 
I mean, besides the beach cleanup stuff, and I mean, have you been looking around for that type of thing, or is it still yeah. just too new? I mean, you guys haven't really lived here that long. No, it is new, and I think that as I get to know my neighbor, actually, I should ask you a quick question too after this. But as I get to know the neighborhood better, um, and not, I see the problem. The problems problems are easy to see, right? You look around a neighborhood, you can always see the problem. But I'm also getting to know the people in the neighborhood and and getting to meet people, and um, I just haven't spoken. You know, I would say, and you know, the young people that live here, I don't know if the young people are as concerned about the, I haven't been to one of these meetings. What, what's the demographic? Are they all older? Is it, is it, is it's it mostly older? Yeah. That's unless it's, right? unless it's the, the, uh, offspring of people that have lived here for a long time. Yeah. You don't really see the new up and comer, new homeowner from Venice or the big, you know, the tech, the guy or, or girl with the big tech job that just moved in here. That's getting 200,000 from Google that just bought a house here um, at these meetings. Um, but uh, maybe that's maybe that's that, what I should do. Maybe, and I think that maybe that's partially I reach it. out to, you know, yeah, I'd like to get more involved. But I think but even when I was younger, I wasn't that involved. Yeah. And I think that that's important, not only locally, but for the upcoming election. You know, I've interviewed some of these younger people that live nearby that are like in their early 20s and they were not really all that excited or enthusiastic about getting involved you really know, whether it's locally or even in the election it's interesting no, i think the young people don't own homes around here yeah um well unless there's there is an influx of very affluent people from other countries whose mm, parents have bought them places here yep. i've run into a number of people who i you know I, i've been starting up conversations with people too at local places just to see what's going on and there's an influx of very affluent young people whose parents have given them places here because they want to live in the cool place yeah you know um and they just kind of like hang out and go to the gym and, you know, <laughs> hang out at Erewhon. Um, well, they should hang out and talk about the community, I feel like. I too, think so, you know? too. So anything that we can do to encourage people of all ages, and, and especially the younger folks, to get involved, I think could be cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a big advantage personally with that and also with the neighborhood. I think, it's, you know, it would be good for me to get involved with it for the neighborhood, the sake of the neighborhood. But also, I mean, you know, part of my business is getting to know the people in my neighborhood, you know, and, and, and talking to people and being around the people that are, are living here. And, um, so I think there's a lot of value in me getting involved. Yeah. Sure. Well, if you want to do anything similar to align LA here mm -hmm. on the West side or align Venice, even, um, yeah. maybe we could do something like that and get some more young people involved. Well, you sound like, you know, where the, where the help is needed, you know? I well, mean, I, I know what people have told me and I know what I observe. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you, the problems are easy to see, yeah. you know? And so maybe we could uh, figure out a way to get more involved. Now this is a very trivial, the community service thing, but I, what about, I was thinking about this because the homeless is such an issue here. Would people support a canned food drive? I mean, this is silly because it's Thanksgiving and there's canned food drives a million places. That's why it's on the top of my mind. But like, do would people in Venice support a canned food drive during the like November, December? Is that a thing, or do you think they'd be like, "I'm not giving food because I don't like the homeless"? I think what we said at the very beginning of this conversation still holds true, and I think it would hold true in that situation. If people were given the opportunity, I think that they would give. Right. Okay. Okay. I do. I think there's you know there's a lot of people who are very involved um, in all kinds of different 
outreach and uh, just one more thing to do something like that, I think we could absolutely do that. You know, I mean, I've seen many places where they do toy drives and yeah. things like that and canned food stuff. I, I think they could easily do that. And we even may be able to uh, reproduce your you know, bag lunch idea, yeah. you know, and, and maybe do that once a month or once every other month. And just to help people, uh, you know, just to help them a little bit, yeah. you know, um, but it's interesting though. It's interesting. I, I do believe that there are some people that think, nah, we shouldn't help anybody here because it'll make it more attractive. And then there'll just be more people here. Yeah. The homeowners around here, especially the new ones that are spending exorbitant amounts of money on their properties, just want it to be more like the Palisades. <laughs> I was in a meeting the other day and a bunch of guys were talking and some guy was, he's like, I just moved to Venice, spent $3 million on my house, had four bikes stolen out of my front yard and my car keyed the other day. He's like, and I spent four or $3 million. I was like, oh, I, I felt bad for that guy. He just moved, he moved east to Lincoln right over there near, I think probably near the Ralph's area. But, um, uh, that was really f- anyway. I don't know why that came up. Why was I saying that? I don't remember. But uh, well, was, there are yeah. those people that are disgruntled. Oh, and they, the, and the, the, the absorbent amount. That's right. Yeah, the exorbitant amount, and they mm-hmm. want it to be like the Palisades. I have some friends that recently sold and they moved up into Topanga because they didn't want to be around anybody anymore. I love you know? that. <laughs> That's a great idea. Don't tell Casey about that. Yeah, She'll well, be like, how'd they do it? Yeah, can yeah. we go? No, yeah. not yet, babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were tired of the, what he said to me was, is like, I'm tired of people defecating on my front front lawn. You know, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of walking out on my street and having it be, you know, so difficult. That's how yeah. my friends tested their, uh, their new personal assistants. They had, a, they had a beautiful house here in Venice and they would, the, one morning their new personal assistant or office assistant was walking into the house because they all worked from home and they saw the shit. In the morning, and they're like, "Is he gonna pick up the shit? If he picks up the shit, we know he's a winner." <laughs> and this this PA picked up the shit, put it in the bath, put it in the uh, trash, and then walked in. And they like gave him a round of applause, and there was a the whole thing. But that they were using that as a that was a thing. They're like, it was part sh- of the job yeah, interview. Part of the job. I think it ended up being part of his job was to pick up the shit off the driveway. Wow. Yeah, because it was a. Con- I think it was. They had a nice driveway. That was it was a little private. Probably, you know, a nice toilet for somebody. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, my goodness. Um, before we get out of here, what do you, what's like your main goal as a, a real estate agent these days? Is that what you want to do for the rest of your life? Or do you have other aspirations? Or do you want to just have a hundred million and then just <coughs> bolt and then travel the world and it's have babies? You say hundred million. That's, that's the goal. Really? Yeah, that was, that that was the goal. That's that's always been the goal. Um, so, but I don't. I mean, it's the goal, but I, I'm not attached to the goal in a huge, huge way. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, and frankly, I don't know. I guess I would just travel if I would. But I really, uh, what I think, I think hopefully from the interview, you've, you've gotten a sense of who I am, which is more on. I, I'm a service-based person, and um, it took me a long time to figure that out. But and I think many many people are. I don't think it's obvious in in some cases. But I think most people are service based. And when you're when I'm in service, I'm there's joy in that um, for me. And so I'm happiest when I'm being of service. And something that allows me to be of service and to make money is real estate, right? Because all real estate is is it's a transaction that's big 
it's a big transaction. It's a scary transaction because it's so big and it's an important transaction. And that also makes it scary. So there's a lot of stress and fear involved in that for a person who is not in real estate. I do it every day. It's not scary for me. I do it every day. So I've seen what can go wrong and I can get in front of those issues and problems. And I think so. So really, if I break real estate down and why I'd like to do it and why it brings me joy and why I could, I could do this forever. And the reason I could do this forever because it's, it's me being of service for one of the biggest decisions in people's lives. And I can make you feel safe and not, you're not going to feel like you got slumped because I'm, I'm sure there's people out here that have awful stories of awful real estate agents because the truth is they're, they're awful real estate agents out there. Cause there is a lot of, there's a lot of money out there at stake, whether it be in commissions, whether it be in, you know, a back end deal where they take a person who sells their house at a discount, they sell it to their buddy who turns around and sells it for a premium. And you know, there's a lot of ways to get screwed in real estate. So that's why another reason it's scary, but you know, I'm a trustworthy person. I can be of service and help you feel safe in a big transaction. So anyway, is real estate my goal? It wasn't. Being of service is the goal, you know. On that note, I'll let you get out of here. You know, Brian, I, I just appreciate you, man, and thank you so much for taking the time to come over here and chat with me. I really enjoyed it. All right, thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate it, too, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, well, absolutely. Let's do, we'll do something together, and then we can talk about it. I love it. All right, All right have a great day, brother. Thank you so much again to Brian Griffin for taking the time to speak with us today. If you want to find Brian, you can follow his Instagram at Brian Griffin RE. And you can also just Google his name, Brian Griffin. You'll get a whole profile about him and his real estate business. You can also follow my social channels. If you want to find out more about my photography and acting exploits, you can go to at Ronstomatic. And you can also find the Venice Voice Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and of course on Instagram. Now, I just want to say thank you once again to each and every one of you for listening and tune in again next Friday when we will have another interesting person from this little corner of the world called Venice, California. Thanks and have a great weekend.